way, way, way back. Uh, the whole idea was to get to heaven. That was the whole idea. Become a Christian, you go to heaven. You get your ticket to ride. When, when Jesus comes back, you're going to go to heaven, or when you die, you're going to go. It was all about getting to heaven, that he saved you so you would get to heaven. So people would even be asked, are you going to heaven one day? And that's nothing wrong with that question. But salvation is so much more than that. Not only did he save us to get us into heaven, but listen carefully to me, he saved us to do something on earth. He saved us with a plan and a purpose for each one of us on earth. And I'm going to show you today out of the word of God that every one of you that say you're a believer, that call on the name of Christ, that consider yourselves a Christian, when he came into your life, he not only said, okay, you are going to go to heaven. I'm going to take you where I live, but also... I have put my hand on you to accomplish something on earth. I have a plan for you individually, not just preachers, not just teachers, not just professional ministers, but every believer has a plan and a purpose for their life. So I want to read something that I've always loved, that has always sort of grabbed me in a powerful way that Paul wrote about himself. It's one verse, Philippians 3.12. And listen to what he says, Philippians 3.12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that means I'm chasing, I'm pursuing, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now catch that, it's powerful. I'm chasing after what God had in his mind for me when he apprehended me. My life's goal is to attain what he saved me to accomplish. There's a purpose on my life. So I'm going to talk today. I'm just calling this today apprehended. I'm going to preach on apprehended. I want you to say with me, I've been apprehended. Let's try it one more time. I am apprehended. I mean, God got you. How many of you can say, he chased me down? Come on, he chased me down. Uh, And I resisted for a while, right? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you that we've been apprehended for a purpose on earth. And I pray that this will be like a light shining in our soul, that this will be like a bright light of revelation that will become real to all of us, that we have been apprehended, chased down, pursued, and captured by Jesus Christ for a reason for a purpose. I pray the the revelation of the Lord will come to every one of us of our purpose, what it is, and to chase it down just like you chased us down. In Jesus' name, would you say with me, Lord, speak to my heart. Change my life. If I'm not on the right track, get me on the right track today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good today. This is for you. Amen. Amen. Now, another word for phrase for apprehended is laid hold of. Paul says, I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ laid hold of me. Um, he said, I was apprehended by him. Now, I want us to just stop and think about that for a moment because the word apprehended is really, really powerful. It means to seize tight hold of or to capture or to lay hold of. Now, we like to go out and say, yesterday I found the Lord. But here's what really happened. 
The Lord pursued you. The Lord tracked you. The Lord approached you. The Lord came near to you. He chased you down. I don't know about you, but I was ducking and dodging. I didn't want to hear it. But finally, I yielded and got saved. Uh, That's why Jesus is called the, the hound of heaven, because he will come after you. He will convict you over and over again. He will not let up. He will not leave you alone. There's some people I pray for, Lord, don't leave them alone. Uh, don't, don't let them rest. Chase them down, track them down, pursue them until they finally yield. Don't let them have any peace. I really do pray that. Don't let them rest until they rest in you. And, and Jesus chases us, tracks us down, and convicts us of our sin. And when we got saved, it's not like we had some bright idea to go find him, but he literally apprehended us. He seized tight hold of us. You know, you don't have to hang on to him so much as he's hanging on to you. Amen? And so so I want you to get this concept in your mind today that he apprehended you and me, and he apprehended us not just for heaven, but to do something here on earth. You're a called man. You're a called woman. You're an anointed man. You're an anointed woman. You're a favored man. You're a favored woman. God has his hand on you to do something here on this planet before you go home. You're going to leave a divine footprint behind you because God's got his hand on your life. If you believe that, give him praise today. Come on. Amen. Yeah, I'm not just called to go to a nine to five, go home, pay the bills, raise kids, get my 401k, hit the golf course and then die. No, there's more than that. It's interesting to me that going back to the Old Testament, King David also testified that he had been apprehended by God. Nevertheless, he writes, I'm continually with you. You have apprehended me. By my right hand, God apprehends us. He seizes hold of us. He lays his hand on us. Paul says in the text that he looks forward to the day that he is perfected in glory. He's looking forward to that day and and that he was apprehended for that purpose. But he also knows he's apprehended for something to be done here on earth. That God laid his hand on him and saved him and now has made him a minister, a person that blesses others, a person that introduces others to Christ, a person that that carries the, the fragrance of Christ into the world and other people are touched because God first touched you. God apprehended him. He had a purpose for his life, a plan for his life. And Paul was very, very keenly aware, like I just said, that he would never have turned to the Lord unless the precious nail-scarred hand of Jesus had been laid on his shoulder. How many of you know that you'd have never turned if Jesus hadn't laid that nail-scarred hand on your shoulder and said, you need to turn. You're in sin. You need to come to me. I want to save you. I want to love you. God initiates, and we must respond. The Bible says nobody comes to me. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So God pursues. God initiates, and we must respond. God knocks, and we must open the door. Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door. So God pursues, but we must respond, submitting to his call to repent of our sins, then receiving him into our heart. And then watch this, church. Once we've done that, then we are to make our aim, 
what Paul's aim was. That is, now here's your calling in life. I'm going to give all of you your calling in life. This is my calling in life. To lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. That's my calling. That's your calling. I want you to say it with me. To lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Amen. That for which, there's a that over every one of our lives. That for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. When he laid hold of me and he laid hold of you, there was a that in his mind, a purpose in his mind, a plan in his mind. And you're not really living until you've make it, made it your aim in life to lay hold of, to make your own, to per- pursue, chase down and accomplish that for which he laid hold of you. That for which he laid hold of you. Now, let me make this real simple. You know that I love dogs, and I like rescuing dogs because they need rescuing. And I always think of salvation and redemption and stuff when I rescue. But I go to the, the pound, and I, and I will rescue a dog. Now, Christmas time, I decided to rescue another one. And, and so I went to the pound. And the pound is, they'll, they'll, they'll put them down. If somebody does not adopt them, they'll eventually put them down. So I go into that pound, and I go into that pound praying. Now, Lord, point the dog out to me that I'm to get. And I'll go in there. And that may sound silly to you, but I really do believe God points it out to me. And I went all through this pound, and I saw so many dogs I wanted to take home with me. I came upon this one. And this one, the worker there said, this one has been here 11 months. And we have spared her life twice by hiding her when they came to take them to put them down. And I, and I looked at this dog. Now, when I, when I left that day, I didn't do anything that day. I was praying that day. But when I left that day, I could not get that dog out of my mind. I could not forget that dog. I could not. I, I tried thinking of other dogs. I tried thinking maybe I should do that one or that one or get that one. But that one dog got on my mind. And I went to bed that night and I could not shake thinking about that one dog. And I woke up the next morning thinking about that one dog. And, 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 and I, I realized God's pointing that dog out to me. And I'm not going to be able to shake it. That dog was on my mind. And so I went back to the pound that day. And I told the worker, I said, take me to that dog. Her, her name was Katia. But, but, but I'm just, and I know you're saying Katia. It doesn't matter. It, it's where you're from. <laughs> Let's just call her Katie. Let's make it simple, Katie. And I said, take me to Katie's cage. And, and they took me to Katie's cage. And I looked at Katie and, 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 and that dog had me. And so what I did was I took money out. I had to go to a desk and I had to uh, sign my name and fill out a little form. And then I had to put money down to get Katie out of that cage. And I got Katie out of that cage. But listen to me now. I didn't get, Kay- I didn't put the money down just to get Katie out of the cage. I did not put money down just to get Katie out of the cage. I put money down to get Katie out of the cage because I had a plan and a purpose for Katie. My plan was to take Katie to a brand new home, to make Katie part of a brand new family, to, to, to let Katie be a part of us, to take Katie on walks. I was in hopes that Katie would be a watchdog. And if somebody strange comes near the house, let me tell you, she fulfills her calling. 
She barks, she howls, she lets me know that a stranger is coming near. So, so listen, when I went to get her out of her cage, there was a plan in my mind. It wasn't just I'm putting money down to free her from the cage, but I put money down to give her a whole new life and purpose. Now listen, there was a day when you were on his mind. He could not get you out of his mind. He knew that you were in a cage. It's the cage of sin. And he knew that you were terminal. He knew that if he didn't get you out, that you were going to be put down and you were going to go to an everlasting darkness, an everlasting hell. So Jesus went to the bar of God and he put down the greatest currency ever spent to set anybody free. He put his blood down. He put his blood down. He put his blood down and he went to the cage and he took you out of the cage of your sin. You were bound. You couldn't get out. You were doing what you didn't want to do, going where you didn't want to go, destroying your life because you were caged up, locked up in a sinful lifestyle. And Jesus came to you and said, I want that one. I want that one out of the cage. And he came to you. You couldn't seek him. You were in a cage. He came to you. Come on, everybody. He came to you. He found you. He got you out. But he said, I'm not slapping this blood down at the bar of God just to get you out of the cage. But I've got a plan for your life. Something is in my mind. You're in my mind because I've got something for you that I want you to do. I'm going to give you a brand new family called the family of God. I'm going to take you to a brand new house, the house of God. I'm going to do a brand new thing with you. And I've got something I want you to accomplish on this earth. Have you got it? Come on. If you're glad he set you free, give him praise today. Come on. Come on. You know, she looks so much better now. She got this pretty collar around her neck. She's so spoiled. She's gained about 15 pounds. And that's really being conservative. She's happy. In the morning, she prances. And I think, Katie, you went from a cage to a castle. And that's the way Jesus does you and me. We know from scripture that Paul was apprehended to be an apostle. That was in Jesus' mind when he knocked him down the road to Damascus. He said, I've got something on my mind for you, Paul. It's not just to get you into heaven, but he was apprehended to be an apostle. He was apprehended to reach the Gentiles. He was apprehended to preach to Caesar. He was apprehended to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He was apprehended to be the architect of the local church. Apprehended with a purpose, a call, a plan. I love the account of Paul's apprehension. Traveling down the road with a little group of men headed to the town of Damascus with official authority from the high priest to arrest, persecute, imprison, and even kill Christians. And suddenly a bright light shined around him from heaven followed by a voice that spoke saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, trembling and astonished, said, who who are you, Lord? 
And the voice replied, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And right then, he was apprehended. His whole life, everything he had known and believed was shattered. He was put down in the dirt. His mind was blown. He didn't know that he was in a cage, cage of deception, cage of being all wrong about God, a cage where he was a good man but still lost, a religious man that didn't really know the God he said he served. And suddenly he's apprehended, apprehended, chased down, seized, taken tight hold of by Jesus Christ. His immediate response was to submit to the Lord Jesus' apprehension of him, saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And by the way, can I tell you, there's no more important question in all of life after you have been saved. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want? Once you know him, once you know he's real, once you know he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead, and he's king of kings, Lord of lords, God wrapped in flesh, the incarnate Christ. Once you know that, the only valid question is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Can we try that together? Let's say together, what, Lord, do you want me to do? See, Paul knew he he has apprehended me and he's got something in his mind. I want to know why he apprehended me because I want to do what he apprehended me to do. I want to make my own what was in his mind for me when he saved me. He was apprehended. He submitted to the Lord's apprehension of him by giving his entire life to one burning passion, laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. That's my passion. Not because I'm something special. He made it that passion in my heart. That's what he did to me, in me. It's always been my passion to lay hold of that, to lay hold of that for which Jesus laid hold of me. Oswald Chambers wrote, we are not here to work for God because we have chosen to do so, but because God has apprehended us. That was Paul. Now, let me say again, the truth is that every single born again Christian, every one of you that named the name of Christ, you've got the same testimony. We are all apprehended by Jesus Christ. I don't know where you were. I was in a juvenile detention center, 16 years old, in total, complete, thorough, consummate spiritual darkness. And I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time in my life. And Jesus reached down into a jail cell and he apprehended a confused, tormented, lost, hell-bound kid. And he put his call in me. He came knocking first. He made the overture. He approached me first and you, not the other way around. We love him because he first loved us. And he saved us, not just for heaven, but for the purpose here on earth that God conceived. Now, I'm going to blow your mind today. Put, put on your thinking cap. Let me blow your mind with something. God, God's plan. See, I only had a plan for Katie for a couple of days. I, I was going to go and I had this vision in my mind of what she was going to do. I had a vision for her life, but mine was only a couple of days old. God's plan for you and me reaches back before the world began. Before the world was even created, God had a plan. Everybody say mind blower. His plan for us began before there was an earth, a sky, a sun, a moon, a universe. His plan was hatched in his 
divine mind before anything that is ever existed. Listen, Ephesians 1.4, long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own. Whoa. Ephesians 1.11, we were chosen from the beginning to be his. But the plan included not only being his, but also his purpose for us here on earth. Now, let me blow your mind more. Ephesians 2.10, out of the Amplified Bible, listen to this. We are his workmanship. That means he's working on us every day. He's working on you and me every day. He's picture a, picture a sculptor sculpting away, chiseling away at a statue he's making, uh, and he's doing it every day, all day, and you've got a kind of a picture of God because every day you are his work of art. You are his workmanship each and every day, whether you feel it or not, know it or not, are aware of it or not, he's working on you every day. We are his own master work, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed and renewed. Why, everybody? Watch this. Ready to be used for good works. There's the plan. There's the plan. Everybody say good works. Ready. Why did God save you? Not just for heaven, but ready to be used for good works, for his plan, his purpose here on earth which God prepared for us. What did he prepare for us? The good works beforehand, taking the paths which he set, going the way that he has established for our lives. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. The paths that we take are ordered by God so that we would walk in them. What's the them? The good works, the plan, the purpose. That is so power-packed, i got to read it in two other versions. Listen, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives, spend our lives doing our own thing? No, doing what we want? Y'all talk to me now. Living for ourselves? No, no. He, he, listen, he made us what we are. He made us brand new people. So we would spend our lives doing the good things he had already planned for us to do. Wow. Now, one more version. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus. And this is my favorite, to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. When in heaven? No. In heaven, there's no more work. What? When? Right now, right here on earth, his purpose, his plan, what he had in his mind when he took us out of the cage. That he's gotten ready for us to do work we had better be doing. Paul wrote that his prayer for the church is that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. So what I want us to get into our minds today, I want revelation to come upon our church body here today that we weren't just saved for heaven, but the minute we got saved, it's just like me taking Katie out of the cage and paying the money to get her out. Jesus paid the blood money to get us out of sin and bondage because he had a plan in his mind for each of us to accomplish on this earth. So over and over again, we see that when God apprehends a person, 
convicts them of sin, points them to the cross, saves them through his blood. It's not just to get us to heaven, but there's a purpose God has in mind, a plan for each of us on this earth before we die. And that purpose, folks, is that we join him in the work he does. The Bible calls it good works. Can we say it again? Good works. Good works. Now, you're going, well, that sounds great, Jeff, but what's a good work? Let me tell you what a good work is. A good work is not a good deed. People do good deeds all the time, and it's not good works in a biblical sense. Like if I'm going down the highway today, or let's just say I'm driving down the highway, and I see a car broken down, and I notice the back tire is flat, and I see a car behind it, and I see that a man has gotten out to change that flat tire. Say it's a woman who didn't know how to change the flat tire, and so he's changing the flat tire. You got a good deed. That's a good deed. But that's not a biblical New Testament good work. A good work, are you ready? Is something done in the name of Jesus, in obedience to Jesus, for the glory of God that produces kingdom fruit. That's a good work. See, I can do a good deed for all kinds of reasons. I can do a good deed to toot my own horn. I can do a good deed to draw attention to myself. I can do a good deed out of, out of just really having, you know, compassion for somebody, but God's nowhere involved in it. A New Testament good work is done in the name of Jesus in obedience to Jesus for the glory of God, and it produces kingdom fruit. That's a good work. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel, but puts it on a candlestick so it gives light to everybody that is in the house. Then he said, let your works so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the father who is in heaven even jesus used the phrase good works so a good work is done in the name of jesus a good work can be prayer it can be witnessing it can be serving it can be giving it can be counseling. It can be calling somebody the Lord has put on your mind. That happens to me a lot. Somebody will get on my mind, get on my heart, I'll call them. When I do that in the name of Jesus, in obedience to Jesus, for the glory of God, that it might bring kingdom fruit, that's a good work. And when I call them in the name of the Lord, I just did a good work. That's a good work. If you take a pie to your neighbor in the name of Jesus for the glory of God, that's a good work. Y'all are looking at me like, a calf stares at a new gate. Are you getting this? You got it? You got it? Good work. It's a good work. God wants us involved in good works. James says that if you've got real faith, it'll be accompanied with good works. He says good works can't save you, but good works testify that you are saved. If you're involved in touching people, if you're involved in doing things for people in the name of Jesus, in obedience to Jesus, for the glory of God, and it brings kingdom fruit, then that's a good work. And James says, if you have real faith, you will have good works operating in your life. Listen to what he says. You see, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds or good works. It's dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds or good works? I will show you my faith by my good works. I'll show you my faith by my good works. Paul told Timothy to tell believers 
who are financially well off. He said, said, tell them, do good and be rich in good works and be generous and willing to share. He writes again, the Christians should be prepared for every good work, touching somebody in the name of Jesus, in obedience to Jesus, for the glory of God, and it produces kingdom fruit. Come on, everyone. Come on. Come on now. Paul says even the, the whole Bible was given so that we would end up in good works. He says all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, that is the word of God, to prepare and equip his people to do every what, everyone? Good work. When you read your Bible, it is equipping you to do a good work. In other words, if you have saving faith, it's going to break out in good works. Done in the name of Jesus, in obedience to Jesus, to the glory of God, producing kingdom fruit. Hebrews 13, 16, do not forget to do good works and to share. Paul told Titus, tell the church, let our people also learn to maintain, sustain, keep doing good works that they may not be unfruitful. Ships are designed to sail on water. Cars are designed to run on highways. Christians are designed for good works. Come on, everyone. Say, well, it sounds to me, Jeff, like you're trying to get me to do something. I am. (laughs) I admit it. I fess up. I I, I want, God wants every Christian. You know, when I got saved and and God really touched my life, I started going to this little Bible study where I finally ended up teaching and, 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 and I was so cranked for Jesus. I mean, the Lord had just touched me so powerfully and and I was just floating on a cloud. I mean, I, I couldn't believe Jesus was so real And, and it happened with a mighty touch from the Holy Spirit of God. And he so filled me that I just felt that I was bursting. I had to do something. And at this uh, little Bible study, the leader of the Bible study asked me just to lead a little prayer group out back before the Bible study. I was so honored. He, I said, really, me? You want me to lead a prayer group out back and, and before the Bible study that God will help you and bless you and touch you and anoint you? And, and the meeting tonight will really be blessed. And he said, that's what I want you to do. So I began to go out there. It was my first good work. And I began to go out there and we would take hands, five, six, seven of us, and we would pray for the meeting and go in and God would move and the meeting was so blessed. And, and, and I got involved in good works right off the bat because faith without works is dead. Faith without good works is dead. God wants us involved in good works done in obedience to Jesus in the name of Jesus for the glory of God that brings fruit to his kingdom. Amen. And I did this for about a year, and then one day, shockingly, this, this leader came to me and tapped me and said, Jeff, you're supposed to teach this meeting. Scared me to death, terrified me. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't hardly drink water. I fasted without really even trying to. But 
That was God's way of saying, you have learned, Jeff, that the way up is down in the kingdom of God. You do good works. You humble yourself. You get in there and you serve. And and when you serve by going down, then God will take you up. Promotion comes after humbling yourself. But I I began uh, to be involved in good works, and I've always been involved in good works ever since because that's normal Christianity. Normal Christianity is not sitting there soaking and souring and doing nothing in some church pew uh, until one day you go to heaven. No, real Christianity is when Jesus touches you and saves you and fills you with the Holy Spirit. And then just like when I let Katie out of that cage and took her to a brand new home and a brand new life, and she's involved in the good work of being my watchdog. God got us out. He took us out to bring us in. He got us out of bondage to bring us into liberty and to share that liberty with other people. He wants us to be active. He wants to always abounding in the work of the Lord. Inasmuch as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm going to close with briefly telling you three things good work, good works accomplished. One, God is glorified through your life. Jesus said, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you'll be my disciples. Much fruit, fruitfulness in the kingdom comes from good works. Second, our faith is perfected by works. Did you know that? Our faith will never be perfected until we get involved in good works for the glory of God. James wrote this about Abraham. Faith was working together with his works. Faith was working with his works, and by works, his faith was made perfect. How many of you want mature faith, strong faith? All right, it's gonna, then, then you, you have to plug in to serving somehow uh, in, in Jesus' name. Third, good works are part of your divine destiny. Paul wrote at the end of his life, he said, I have finished my course. That means I finished my assignment. There was an assignment on my life, and I finished it. I'm so glad I finished my assignment. Listen, nothing's more important to this preacher than finishing my assignment. I want the Lord to say, well done, good and faithful Jeff. And you want the Lord to say, well done, good and faithful Bob, Sue, Jill, Judy, Mike, Paul, Frank, Brendan, Valerie, Cindy, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. What is he going to say that over? Not just that we believed on him and got saved, but that we did what he set us free from the cage to do. Amen? Let's stand together today, can we? You know, um, I know what some of you are thinking You know, Jeff, I would. I just don't know what to do. Well, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You do what you do know what to do. We do know to share Christ, don't we? We do know. Just this church alone, there's so many avenues and roads and things you can do good works-wise that you can plug into. So many. I mean, we have so many ministries, I don't even know them all anymore. And I'm the pastor of the church. They spring up all the time. Say, well, how do I know what God's got his hand on me to do? What appeals to you? What appeals to you? See, what began to burn in me was to to tell the word of God. But 
What appeals to you? Witnessing, praying, serving. What appeals to you? Calling people saying, hey, can I pray with you about something? What appeals to you? What cranks your chain when you, when you hear about it, when you see it? What appeals to you in the work of God? Go there. Go there and put your hand to it. And if it begins to prosper, you found your niche. Everybody has a niche in the house of God. Amen? And you know what? That niche will scratch your itch. It will. When you find your niche in the house of God, it'll scratch your itch to, to be used. That was on the spot. See, God gives me things for, for you and for me. But you know what? It's true. See, my itch was to preach. And when I did it, oh man, found my niche, it scratched the itch. And I've got to scratch that itch all the time because I love delivering the word of God because it's what I'm called to do. Okay, that's what I'm called to do. But I want us to lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today, can we? He loves you so much. He loves me so much. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. And I want you to say, Lord, thank you for apprehending me. Thank you for laying hold of me. Now let's pray. Say, not just for heaven. Though I'm thankful for that, but also for that for which you laid hold of me. You took me from the cage of sin with a purpose in your mind for me. Oh, I just sense such a grace and an anointing here right now. Now, let me just speak prophetically a little bit. Some of you were flowing in your that for which he laid hold of you. And something happened, you got burned, you got burned out, you got hurt, whatever, and you got out. And now you have a doubt whether or not you can ever really get back in. Oh, yes, you can all. Listen, in God's kingdom before Christ comes, the porch light is always on. He can use you and will use you again. Return to your first love. Return to your call. Return to why he laid his hand on you. You can say, Jeff, this was for me today. And I know that I need to, I need to plug in to good works, the works that God has called me to accomplish. Raise your hand. I know I need to plug in. I know I need to plug in. I got unplugged and I need to plug in. I need to plug in. Amen. Amen. I want us just to have a moment of prayer to the Lord. Can we do this? And let's lift all of our hands to the Lord Jesus. He's here in this sanctuary. And just say, Lord, pray it with me. Say again, Lord, you laid your hand on me. You called me. You set me free from the cage of sin. Lord, I give my life to you afresh and anew. I'm not just saved for heaven, but I'm called into your plan to join you in your work. 
Lord, help me to do it. That I would leave a footprint for Jesus before I leave this planet. In Jesus' name. Now, I want us to just pause a minute and listen. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. And I'm going to ask God to speak to you and give you a word about where, how, the wherewithal, how to plug in, where to plug in, what to begin doing that maybe has gone by the wayside. We're just going to be silent just for a moment because I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to his people. Thank you, Lord. Say, Lord, speak to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.